When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Scott Chu. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the First Pitch Podcast. My name is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChewFits. Let's get right to it with injuries and transactions. Rays ace Shane McClanahan is targeting a return on Thursday against Toronto, though that's not set in stone quite yet. In any event, he should stay on your IL and not be let go if at all possible, as two or three starts from McClanahan could be crucial to your championship dreams. Felix Batista played catched on Saturday. He could be available today for the Orioles if they run into a safe situation. Keep in mind the weather's not so great. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Eric Lauer of the Brewers hit the IL with swelling in his left elbow just one day after they had to send Freddie Peralta to the IL with shoulder fatigue. The Brew crew is still fighting for their playoff life, so if they're still in the hunt 10 days from now, we could see both of these pitchers make it back to the rotation, but if the Brewers are eliminated, that could change quickly. With the lack of consistency we've seen from both pitchers, they should probably only be stashed if you have a very deep bench or you have open IL spots in terms of redraft leagues. Boston Red Sox manager Alex Cole informed us that Eric Hosmer isn't doing any baseball activities right now. From those comments, it doesn't sound like you should be holding on to Haas, and you shouldn't really count on him to return here in 2022. Nick Madrigal of the Cubs hit the 10-day IL with a groin strain. While I do really like his hit tool and his speed long-term, Madrigal doesn't need to be stashed in mixed leagues unless you have a wide-open IL spot. Blake Trinan is also already back on the IL for the Dodgers, unfortunately, with tightness in that right shoulder. I'd probably drop him in all leagues going forward. Lewis Robert hasn't started since Tuesday, and the White Sox have an off day Monday. So, if he's not starting today or doesn't make it through the whole game, there is a chance we see him come back for the two-game homestand the White Sox have against the Rockies next Tuesday. I have to imagine that if... Lewis Robert isn't looking good for Tuesday. He'll hit the IL retroactive to the 16th or 17th. The White Sox get a lot of the Tigers pitching over the next week and a half, so there's good reasons to hold out hope that Lubob returns soon and that he plays every day. The Denver Post reports that Chris Bryant could return this season for the Rockies, but that the Rockies brass are not counting on it. I honestly don't think fantasy managers should either. Utility man Aledmus Diaz should return to the Astros on Tuesday, though it's a lot harder to see a path to playing time for him than it was before Diaz tweaked his groin. I wouldn't add Aledmus Diaz in fantasy right now and wouldn't be opposed if someone cut him instead of activating him in most formats. Max Muncy, who hasn't played since Wednesday, is expected to start today at third base for the Dodgers, so you can get him fired right back up into your lineups. He's been absolutely hot here in the home stretch. Jazz Chisholm Jr., unfortunately, has been ruled out for the rest of the season. That's a huge bummer. He should be a threat to hit 20 to 25 home runs and steal 20 to 25 bases again in 2023, as he should be fully healthy coming into next season. Aaron Ashby is slated to throw off a mound in the coming days, but shouldn't be expected to be stretched out in the near future, making him expendable in redraft fantasy leagues. 
The Twins are still expecting and are hopeful that Byron Buxton will return this season, though we haven't been given any kind of return date. If I had to make a blind guess, I'd think that the Twins would be targeting something around the 23rd, which is the start of a homestand, though if he's ready earlier, I'm sure they'd fly him into play. Jorge Polanco, on the other hand, is expected to return a bit sooner, and his return date is planned for sometime in the middle of next week, likely in one of the home games against the Royals, so Jorge Polanco should be back pretty soon. Starling Marte was placed on the IL with a finger injury retroactive to September 7th. That's also a bummer because the Mets have a sweet seven-game homestand against the Cubs and Pirates next week. Hopefully Marte will be healthy enough to join the team at or before the road trip that starts a week from Monday in Milwaukee. Luis Severino is making at least, and hopefully just, one more rehab start on Thursday. With any luck, they'll get Severino back up to five or six innings in that start and have him back in the rotation either on the 21st against Pittsburgh or at some point during the weekend series against Boston. In other Yankees news, Anthony Rizzo received a blood patch for his migraines, which has apparently helped his symptoms. The Yankees are only only have five games next week, and they're all on the road. So if all goes well, we might see Rizzo back by the next homestand that starts on the 20th. Aroldis Chapman also began a rehab assignment today, though his fantasy relevance has more or less faded with Clay Holmes back in action, as Holmes only has allowed one run in six innings since his return from the IL. Chapman would likely move into a shared setup role with right-handed Jonathan Loisaga and might still be relevant in saves plus holds leagues, but that's about it. Zach Wheeler threw 15 pitches off a mound on Saturday and should be close to returning. Those in weekly leagues likely have a tough decision to make as we still don't have a scheduled return date, but it should be sometime in the next one to two turns in the rotation. If I had to guess, it'd be the weekend series in Atlanta or the following home series against Toronto. Speaking of Zach's from Philly, Zach Eflin is also slated to return to the rotation, except it's much sooner. He should be back Tuesday against the Marlins. However, know that Zach Eflin is moving to the bullpen, which eliminates him from fantasy consideration in virtually all formats. Sir Anthony Dominguez was reinstated from the 15-day IL today and should take back over the closers role right away as nobody in the Phillies bullpen really ran away with this job in his absence. Dominguez touched 100 in his rehab outing, so feel free to get him right back in there right away. David Bednar of the Pirates should start a rehab assignment soon, and once he's back, he should take over the closers role for the Pirates. It's hard to predict exactly when that will be, but it should be within a week of starting the rehab. He's still worth stashing in leagues where you need saves, as the Pirates start a seven-game homestand against the Cubs and Reds on the 22nd, and assuming Bednar is back by then, he should be able to grab at least one to three saves during that time. Brandon Drury of the Padres should also be activated from the seven-day IL as soon as Tuesday, according to manager Bob Melvin. The the Padres do have some favorable matchups coming up against the Diamondbacks and also have a trip to Coors on the 23rd, so there's still plenty of production that can come from Drury's bat between now and the end of the season. And finally, Mackenzie Gore will be making a rehab start today and could return to the Nats rotation this season, which is worth tracking in Dynasty and very deep redraft leagues, but not really in most shallower leagues. Hitting performances from yesterday, we'll start with Rafael Devers of the Red Sox. He went three for five with a home run and five RBI after going through what might have been the worst month of his career in August, where Devers posted an abysmal 30 WRC plus over 115 plate appearances, meaning he was 70% worse than the average major leaguer. Devers has exploded in September with four doubles, a home run and 12 RBI, which is already one more RBI than he had in all of last month. Manny Machado went two for four with two home runs. Manny loves beating up on the Dodgers lately as he has eight hits and four home runs in his last five games against the Dodgers. While Machado isn't likely to break his single season home run mark of 37 that he set in 2016 and 2018, Machado is on pace for his first season with over 100 runs and 100 RBI and should finish 2022 as fantasy's second best third baseman. 
Elvis Andrews, this is such a story, of the Chicago White Sox, two for five with a home run, two runs scored, three RBI and a walk. Over his last 14 games, Andrews has been a man possessed. He has four doubles, five home runs, and a stolen base. Do you know how many players have more combined runs in RBI than Andrews since August 27th? Just one, Bobachet. It's truly bizarre, and I have no issue with folks chasing the hot bat, but I have to carefully emphasize that this is really out of character for the 34-year-old shortstop, and that Andrews has had 15-game stretches like this in the past, but they didn't last very long, and the drop-offs tend to be very severe. For instance, back on August 26th, so not that long ago, his 15-game rolling slugging was just 280, and the longest he's maintained a rolling 15-game average slugging above 500 in the last three calendar years is about 12 to 13 games. Joey Bart of the Giants, he's having a heck of a rebound. Three for four with a double, a home run, and two RBI. It's been a strong second half for Bart, who in 100 plate appearances is hitting 292 and slugging 497. The former top 100-ish prospect has really rebounded well from his awful start, and I really want to recommend Bart as a rest-of-season fantasy asset. However, it's worth noting that his schedule is pretty rough as he draws the better parts of the Atlanta and Dodgers rotation next week. That said... Bart does start the week of the 19th with a trip to Coors, so if you do choose to stream someone instead of keeping Joey Bart over the next week, be sure to pick up Bart before the 19th when he heads to Coors. Javier Baez went 2-4 for four with a double, a triple, two runs scored, and two RBI. Javier has a surprising 918 OPS so far in September, though only three of his 12 hits have been for extra bases. He looks like he'll finish the season with the lowest full-season strikeout rate he's had since 2016. However, Javier's going to really need to push to get to either 15 home runs or 10 stolen bases. Javi's not likely to be drafted in 12-teamers next year, though he will occasionally have a place on rosters as a fill-in when he's making contact with a soft schedule. Joy Manessis of the Nats, two for five with a double, a home run, and two RBI. The production remains consistent for Manessis, though I'm perhaps a tiny bit concerned with the steady climb in strikeouts over the last two weeks or so. I'm hoping that the 15-game average, which is close to 30% now in terms of strikeouts, peaks around here and comes back down to the 12 to 15% range we saw from Manessis early in August. If that's the case, Manessis will be much more intriguing to me in 2023 drafts than if he stays closer to a 25 to 30% strikeout rate for the rest of the season. The strikeout rate climb correlates to a dropping zone rate and a rising swinging rate for Manessis, which is more or less the opposite of what we want to see, and I'm hoping that he can correct it over the next few weeks. A couple other notable performances, Kike Hernandez of the Red Sox, he went four for six with a double, two runs scored, and an RBI. AJ Pollock had a nice game, he went four for five with three run scores and a stolen base. O'Neal Cruz, one of the most exciting players to watch because everything he does, he does loud. He, he went two for four with a home run and a walk. Bubba Thompson kept stealing bases. He went two for three for the Rangers with a double run RBI and that stolen base. Lane Thomas, who's been quite hot as well, uh, along with Manessis for the Nats. He went three for five with a run and two RBI. Steven Kwan had a weird day. He went 0 for one, but got two runs stored and a stolen base thanks to four walks. And then you know I'm going to talk about my guy, Akil Badu, whenever he does something. He went 0 for two, but he had two walks and two runs scored. Hopefully he can turn something around and be something of a very deep sleeper next year, but really I just want to talk about him because I love Akil Badu. Now, starting pitching performances from yesterday. Tristan McKenzie is the one I'll lead with for the Guardians. He went against the Twins, got the win on seven innings pitch, no earned runs, six hits, two walks, five strikeouts, 12 whiffs on 97 pitches. McKenzie went mostly with fastballs and sliders up with the curveball down. The slider remains an underwhelming pitch in terms of whiffs and results, but overall he forced more ground balls than usual and got a very solid start out of Tristan McKenzie. His next start is against the White Sox. I'd probably keep starting him, although it's not the best matchup in the world. George Kirby of the Mariners went against Atlanta. 
Got a win on six innings pitch. No earned runs, three hits, no walks, and six strikeouts. A great performance here. The sinker up and in really fooled Atlanta as it went for nine called strikes. I'm not very sure that's repeatable, but the command looked really strong for Kirby as he pounded the top of the zone as well as right above the zone with those four seamers and sinkers. He got that slider middle-middle a little too much for my taste, but he was able to get away with it thanks to him getting ahead of what felt like every single batter in that one. He goes against the Angels next and it's probably worth the start there. Lance Lynn of the White Sox went against Oakland, got the win, six innings pitch, no earned runs, three hits, one walk, five strikeouts, exactly what you expect from Lance Lynn against a bad opponent like the A's, and lucky you, he gets another bad opponent when Lynn faces the Detroit Tigers in his next start next week. Carlos Carrasco of the Mets went against the Marlins. He got the win on six innings pitch, one and run, four hits, no walks, and six strikeouts. Miami continues to be a team that can be taken advantage of, particularly by savvy vets like Carrasco. Carrasco gets the Pirates next, so just keep on starting him. Shohei Otani of the Angels, he went against the Astros in a rematch, got the win again. Five innings pitched, one and run, six hits, two walks, seven strikeouts on 79 pitches. Otani beat up the Astros for a second consecutive start, this time by not leaving the slider in the zone quite so often. He apparently wasn't feeling the splitter in this game as Otani used it just twice, but did manage to use his cutter more to deal with the lefties. And folks, I just love Otani, the way he mixes up uh, all those pitches he's got. He can attack teams in so many ways. This is just a really exciting player, and that's not even talking about what he can do at the dish. His next start is against the Mariners, and I'd keep rolling him out there. Uh, Unless, of course, you're in a weekly league, you probably want him hitting. Julio Urias of the Dodgers went against the Padres, got the win on seven innings pitch, two earned runs, five hits, two walks, five strikeouts, and his 10 starts since the All-Star break. Urias has gone at least six innings nine times and has not allowed more than two earned runs in any start since then. His next start is against the Giants, who have tumbled quite a bit since the beginning of the season, and that should be another solid start for him. Logan Webb of those Giants, he was actually at the Cubs. He got the win on seven innings pitch, two earned runs, six hits, no walks, and six strikeouts with 10 whiffs and 102 pitches. That's four straight games with at least six strikeouts, which is Logan Webb's best stretch of the season in that regard. A big part of that success comes from Webb uh, really throwing the sinker well. It's absurd. It's generating an absurd amount of called strikes, including a whopping 22 called strikes with that sinker against the Cubs. He's drawn at least 14 called strikes with that sinker in each of his last three games, something Webb hadn't done in any game prior to this stretch. And then his next start, though, is against the Dodgers. So that's something I'd be really cautious about and really thinking about where you are in your standings or in your head-to-head matchup before you lock him in for that. Matt Manning of the Tigers went against the Royals. He got the win on 6.1 innings pitch, two earned runs, three hits, one walk, four strikeouts. It was a solid spot start, though I wouldn't trust him in his next start, which will be against the White Sox. Max Freed continued to be the ace that we've seen him be, although he didn't get the win. He actually got the loss in this one on six innings pitch, two earned runs, five hits, no walks, and six strikeouts. Freed followed up his five no-hit innings against the Marlins with these six solid innings against the Mariners. He used the changeup over 28% of the time and it racked up nine whiffs, his highest whiff total for any pitch in a game this season. Freed gets the Phillies next and you should be happy to start him there. Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals went against the Pirates, did not do what you hoped. He went five innings pitch with three earned runs, six hits, four walks, no strikeouts. So a two whip, no strikeouts. That's not great. His command was just way off in this one. Flaherty couldn't get a single whiff on the fastball, and he didn't really seem to have a feel for the slider either. When his curveball is his best pitch, you know it was probably a rough outing for Flaherty. His next one's against the Reds, though, and hopefully it's a little better than this one. Although, I'm not sure I'd risk it in playoff matchups. Corey Kluber of the Rays did not have it against the Yankees. He gets the loss on .2 innings pitched, six earned runs, eight hits, no walks, no strikeouts, just two whiffs. His next start is against the Rangers. That should be a lot better. 
Jamison Tyone of the Yankees, he went against the Rays. He went 7.1 innings pitch with three earned runs, six hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts with 15 whiffs. Tyone pounded the zone and got ahead of a lot of Rays hitters who are prone to strikeouts to begin with. I'd probably consider using him in his next start as well, which is against Milwaukee. Relief pitching performances from yesterday... Emmanuel Klaas allowed two hits but still managed to put up a save with no earned runs and just seven pitches for the Guardians. He only had to get one out. Klaas has thrown in four of the last six games, so I wouldn't be shocked to see James Karinczak or Trevor Stefan get the call in the ninth if there's a save on the line today. Paul Sewald threw his second perfect inning of the week with two strikeouts, this time against Atlanta, after being set up by Andres Munoz and Eric Swanson, who each got the hold. Ryan Helsley threw 24 pitches to get the save, and though he did allow two hits and a run, and he didn't get a strikeout. So at least you got the save there. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals gave Helsley an unofficial day off today and turned to Giovanni Gallegos for a save chance. Gallegos picked up the win yesterday on seven pitches, and he's been solid all season. And then Daniel Bard got his third positive decision of the week after getting a save. Uh, He also had two wins earlier this week. Bard has a shocking 2.06 ERA on the season, and while that's well over a run below his FIP, he'd be having a good season anyway, even if Bard's luck wasn't quite as good as it has been. Now, before we talk about the day ahead and the weather, let's take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we are back just in time to turn to Mark with the weather. We, I know there's some nasty weather out there, so Mark, take it away. Thank you very much. Well, we're getting down to crunch time for seasonal long. And for DFS, I know everyone's attention turns to the NFL, especially on Sundays. But, hey, we still have baseball going on, and we got some weather tomorrow. The northeast mid-Atlantic region is going to be a little wet. So that's going to be home games for the Orioles, the Phillies, and the Yankees. And... Looking further to their west, the Cubs, which is a Sunday night game, it's going to be a pretty miserably wet and cool day. It looks like there could be a break for the evening game to squeeze that in, but we'll just have to pay attention to that as we go throughout the day. But, yeah, not ideal for one of the most important Sundays with playoffs on the line or playoffs ongoing uh, to end this way. Take care. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Mark. We do appreciate it, as always. As far as streaming options or DFS options for today, not a whole lot of thinking you really need here. You're really picking on bad teams. You've got Johnny Cueto at Oakland. You've got Jose Quintana at Pittsburgh, and you've got Brady Singer versus Detroit. I like all three of those starts, probably in that order, Cueto, Quintana, Singer, but uh, really any of them should be good. As far as hitting Uh, performances that you want to look for today. I really like the Royals against left-handed pitching. Uh, Tyler Alexander of the Tigers. Really look for someone like a Michael A. Taylor, who I think could go deep in this one. The Rangers draw right-handed pitcher Trevor Richards, and I really like uh, really any part of that lineup you can get, but particularly Josh Young or Josh H. Smith. 
both of whom were recently called up. And then, of course, any Arizona Diamondback you can get your hands on against Rocky starter Ryan Feltner in Coors is going to be a worthwhile addition to your roster. And then I want to make an important note for next week. The Blue Jays and Rays are going to play eight games, while the Rockies, Brewers, Nats, Mariners, Yankees, Red Sox, and Orioles all play in just five. Those three extra games are a big deal for folks who need volume in head-to-head matchups, so keep it in mind. Again, Blue Jays and Rays playing eight games, Rockies, Brewers, Nats, Mariners, Yankees, Red Sox, and Orioles all playing just five. So keep that in mind. And with that, thank you so much for listening to the First Pitch Podcast. My name again is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at If the Chew Fits. Please check out everything we got on the site. We've got the SP Roundup. We've got the Batters Box. We've got everything. We're going to have a new hitter list on Wednesday. I apologize to anyone that was looking for it last Wednesday. My hard drive crashed and I lost my entire desktop. I couldn't really do anything. But as you can see, it's all back now and we will have a new hitter list for this week coming out on Wednesday. And until then, I will talk to y'all later. Have a great rest of your day and good luck in any this playoff matchup. This First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.